Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Welcome in. Happy Friday. I'm Ben Kenny. It is on the clock. As always, Phillies 24-7, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Whether uh, podcast on stream, thank you. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm pissed off right now, frankly. I had, obviously I had a show planned that was going to laud the Phillies. That was going to not crown them as National League champions, but a deep comparison with last year's team and a destiny feel that this group has carried on. And we'll get to it after game two. That's where I was right now. They just lost game three, two to one in Arizona. They handed away game three completely. Three hits. Three hits. That is all the Phillies mustered off a rookie with a 5'7 ERA and a Diamondbacks bullpen that ranks 20th in baseball. That wasn't the Astros. I forget who threw the no hitter. That wasn't prime Verlander going against them tonight. That was freaking Brandon Fat. And a bunch of relievers, half of whom I haven't heard of before this season. That was an embarrassing loss. Truthfully, this is an offense that has exploded and blew out every single thing they've looked at this season. Even on the road, they've gotten the job done in Atlanta for those two games. And we know at home they're incredible, top to bottom. And they came up, I mean, you're talking about uncompetitive at-bats, allowing Fat to, again, look like a prime name your Hall of Fame pitcher, a prime Pedro. He was missing bats with everything he threw. He had, what, 70 pitches through five and two-thirds innings? Like He could have kept going. I thought it was a terrible move by Lavulo to bring him out. And I know that, that his splits in the third time through are insane, but still, this dude was mowing down every hitter the Phillies have. They were just lifeless. Man, what a, what a demoralizing loss from start to finish. And you look at the pitching side of it. I mean, if you had told me I get five and a third, three hit, one walk, seven strikeout, no run ball from Ranger Suarez, his playoff ERA is down to .64 in three starts. I'm going to go back through his playoff game logs, through his career. Like, one of the best playoff pitchers, if we just look at a vacuum and look at the stats ever, this dude doesn't give up runs. And he gets you into the sixth inning with, what, a guy on seconds when he left? Hoffman comes in, looks incredible, gets out of that. Kirkering, not great, but we get the most dominant two innings from Alvarado I've ever seen. And then you get to the ninth, and it's a 1-1 game. And the game's over. Like, you, everybody's going to get on Thompson. Oh, why is why do you put Kirkering in? Where's Saranthony? Why is Kimbrell saving the game? 
I don't like Craig Kimbrell being in those spots. I've expressed that since the beginning of the season. And I threw the midway point, even when he was pitching well. But Thompson's going to put him out there, and that's where we are. We're going to have to live with it. They just shouldn't have been in that position. They should not have been in the position where Craig Kimbrell had to get through a scoreless nine. I I bet you everybody watching that game, not in attendance. I don't know if Diamond fans, Diamondbacks fans have been watching baseball. But everybody at home watching here, when they, were, when they saw Craig Kimbrell come out, we knew that game was over, which is ridiculous. The guy's going to rack up all these saves in two-run, two three-run games, yet not one ounce of trust do I have in him in those situations. And he almost got through it, too. And the home plate umpire was terrible. He almost gets through it, but he walks Perdomo, and then we knew Marte. We knew that was it. But I can go up and down the pitching staff. Like, they did their job tonight. And I know when it's a one-run game, the manager's going to come under scrutiny. That's always how baseball works. But the pitchers did their job. They gave up two runs in, I mean, almost nine innings. It, it was the offense that just fell completely flat. Schwarber over three with two uncompetitive strikeouts and then a late walk. Trey Turner was one for four. Bryce Harper walked twice. And he is, I mean, they're pitching around him every time. So I can't really blame Bryce Harper even. They're just not throwing him strikes. But Alec Bohm right behind him. After Harper gets on twice. One for four. Bryson Stott over three. Realmuto over three. Stott had a strikeout. Realmuto had two strikeouts. Castellanos over three with three strikeouts. Brandon Marsh one for three with two Ks. And Johan Rojas with the most uncompetitive 0 for three with a strikeout I've ever seen. Johan Rojas is hitting 0-63 in the postseason. That is worse than probably Joe Blanton in 2008. Definitely worse than Roy Oswald in 2010. Like There are pitchers that have had more hits than Johan Rojas has this postseason. And I like he's a defensive guy. I'm not saying bench him or take him out of the lineup. But you're going up against a guy that during the regular season, Brandon Fatt had a 5-7. He's a 25-year-old rookie who the Brewers hit, who the Dodgers did not hit, and the Phillies should have hit. They should have They should have scored enough to win this game. They handed away the game. That's the only way I can describe what went on tonight. That's a back-breaking loss. I, I don't think it's a series-deciding loss. I don't think it's a series-ending loss. That's a back-breaking loss off all the momentum you have. Now you turn ahead to game four, and Rob Thompson says Chris Sanchez will start. We'll get to that later. Good decision. But even so, you're relying on Chris Sanchez to pitch a great game to keep this series from being tied. Like, yeah, then you have Nola and Wheeler going for five and six. But, I mean, this was the opportunity to shut the door and to pretty much clinch your trip to the World Series. And because the bats did not make the trip to Arizona, we're sitting here and it's two to one. That was, that was an infuriating baseball game. And usually when they lose in the playoffs, I'm pissed off for one reason or the other. But make it that make that a 7-0 game. Make that a game where the offense dies and the pitcher gets hit. But when I look at what the guys on the mound did for the entire night, I can't help but second guess and think what would have happened if one guy in the lineup showed up. Just one. They didn't have that many opportunities with runners in scoring position. They went 0-4 as a team. Surprise, surprise. Three guys left on base. Yeah, there's that chance in the ninth with Harper who stole second. But it wasn't as if they had traffic all game long. It was just team-wide. Nobody could do it. 
So th- there's not one scapegoat for me. It- it's the lineup as a whole just completely fell apart. And whatever it is, the lighting, the roof is closed. It sounds like a funeral in there. I don't know the reason for it. But that was an embarrassing performance by by the lineup tonight. Unbelievable. So here we are. Like, it's it's two to one. And, well, I told myself I'd go into the show. We'll do this. We're going to do this for the eight minutes. And then we're going to move on to what I actually wanted to talk about from the series and what should matter going into the rest of the games. Because I still think the Phillies win the series. I think they probably win it in five. But six wouldn't surprise me. The good news is, and we'll touch on this later, that Houston is not falling over against Texas. But, man, this I can't wa- help watching this series and sitting back and thinking, this Diamondbacks team is not good. They're a, they're a good team. I should restate that. They are not that good. Like, this is a good Major League Baseball team. This is a team that you see go a couple games over 500, maybe squeak into the playoffs in a terrible division, and then lose in the first round. And credit to them, well, they got a Brewers team that can't hit and a Dodgers team that can't pitch in the first two rounds. Credit to them, they're here. But up and down that lineup, they're not that good. There are only three guys that scare you. Marte, Corbin Carroll, and Christian Walker. Yeah, Gallon and Kelly should scare you, but then after that, it is the steepest drop-off you've ever seen. Yet the Phillies made the guy tonight look like an ace. And the bullpen on paper isn't that good. The Phillies crushed it in game two. The manager, I, I think Tori Lavulo has managed a terrible series and got bailed out tonight by the Phillies hitters not making him pay for bad decisions. So the team, like the team as a whole, I'm thoroughly unimpressed in them. Yet here we are, like that's baseball. If you don't show up, you're going to hand games away. All right, we're at the nine-minute mark. I said I'd give myself 10 minutes to vent about the game and be angry. Realistically, it's not going to be until tomorrow at 6 o'clock that I get re-excited for game four. I talked myself into a loss throughout the day, but that's a typical day going into a game. And then I couldn't help looking ahead at this game and and feeling its importance with what we're going to see tomorrow. Because again, Chris Sanchez is the thing standing, or the, the person, but Chris Sanchez pitching is the thing standing in between this series being tied two to two after everything we saw in the beginning. Like I, I know beating the Braves is like the World Series for the Phillies, and they celebrated like it, but the job has to get done. And you got Garrett Stubbs tranching around saying that, oh, we're going to celebrate in the pool. I, I'm a little bit scared that this team is feeling itself. And hopefully, yes, we've seen them respond super well. As Castiano said, we're good when we get hit in the mouth. And tonight was definitely that. So if they come out tomorrow and respond instantly and put seven or eight up on the board, obviously we feel better because it's a 3-1 lead. But also that's like, okay, we're not just going to fold and start playing down to the level of Arizona. But that's what tonight felt like. And I I am mildly concerned that this team is is starting to feel itself a bit. I like I'm a Philadelphian. I am not comfortable when the national media and everybody starts crowning my team. It happened with the Eagles last year. It didn't happen with them in 2017 because they had a backup in. And then we saw what happened. And then with the Phillies, it's been happening for the last three days. Ever since they beat Atlanta, but then also starting off hot and that destruction of Arizona in game two 
everybody's talking about them. Everybody is crowning them as the greatest thing to ever happen to baseball. And I like I'm buying in. They are the most likable Phillies team I've ever watched. And it's been a beyond a joy to follow what's been what their run has been. But I mean, I as soon as everybody nationwide buys in, I get scared. And so that happened. And then we saw we saw what ended up being a result of that. Well, not a result of that, but what the result ended up being in the game. And there you go. So we move on to game four tomorrow at eight o'clock. Let's do this. Uh, it's on the clock. I'm Ben Kenny. We'll get back to being positive because I think the Phillies are going to win the series. I still feel good. I still love this team's chances at winning it all this year. A response is necessary. Maybe we'll switch on to why I think that happens. But overall, let's talk about this team and how they're playing. Because tonight hopefully was a complete outlier of what has been a dominant, dominant stretch of baseball. So we'll touch on all that. We'll touch on the series. We'll touch on the team. When we come back, I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. All right, welcome back in. Ben Kenny on the clock. Um, I I need to amend some of the titles of, of what this is going to be. Uh, Sports Radio WIP, by the way, Phillies 24-7. Thank you, as always, for listening. I had I had started to put this together before the game, and something, like a, a little phrase came into my brain when I was running today, and I put it down on my notes on my phone. I had to put it in the show, Doc, because it sucks again because oh, tonight... It completely reverses my feeling about this just because the vibes were the opposite. I wish that I could have recorded before the game and then reacted in a different setting, a different format to that disaster. And again, three hits, three hits. I look at the box score. I don't believe it. I look at Twitter. The most dead offensive day I've seen this team have since they got no hit in the World Series last year. So awesome. Just I they scored their one run. I said I'd put the negative stuff in the past, but here I am. They scored one run. And in that inning, when they scored the run, the ball did not leave the infield. There was a walk. There was a what, a stolen base or a, a swinging bunt that got the guy to second. And then I forget what got him to third, but a pass ball got him home. They didn't hit the ball out of the infield. Wonderful. Just awesome. What an awesome time. The phrase that did pop into my brain, though, is I I have developed the feeling, and let's pretend tonight didn't happen for a second, and I do think we could project this forward. So this isn't all just, oh, what was us? We're screwed. For the, the reason that this team will bounce back and the reason I still think they are should be the World Series favorite right now, this team, obviously, uh, the Phillies, has the feel and has had the feel for some time of a title contender and that team where all the magical stuff kind of happens to it and all of the right bounces happen. Everything just goes the right way. And I, I couldn't help but think that last year, and, I, and I've gone through the highlights a little bit in the last couple of days, last year really felt magical. 
You had Bryce Harper playing out of his mind. Not much else in the lineup was happening except Reese Hoskins with super, super clutch home runs and Kyle Schwarber occasionally coming through. And then just they they just scrapped together wins. Gene Segura's singling in weird spots on weird pitches. They, when you truly look back and in the moment, we thought the team was invincible and that they would never lose. And clearly they did. But last year really felt magical. Like it was a fever dream. We didn't really think that team would be there. This year, for the entire playoffs up to game three, it's been an absolute clinic. Like top to bottom. It hasn't felt magical at all because you talk through the team and they really don't have a true weakness, like like a, a true weakness. I could point to a bunch of other teams in the playoffs and say, oh yeah, but that's a liability. Um, the rotation isn't deep enough. Speaking of, I, I, I believe speaking of Texas now, honestly, like Evaldi's been awesome. Jordan Montgomery's been awesome. And Max Scherzer came back last or two nights ago, looked cooked. And then they're down, as I'm speaking, 3 nothing to Houston. Like, the Texas, the Texas has some holes. The Astros aren't nearly as good offensively as they were last year. And I, I don't think as good in the rotation. Yet this Phillies team truly does not have a, a large weakness. And disclaimer, which I'll put it up in this entire section, that does not mean they win every game because we saw what just happened. But seriously, think about it. The bullpen, Alvarado, well... It's the bullpen of last year when Alvarado and Sir Anthony were just mowing guys down and they got run into the ground. Well, turn around and add a Jeff Hoffman who's come up in, he's come through in more big spots than not. Every big spot except Atlanta. Add in Greg Soto who pumps 99. Add in Strom who has contributed great to this team. I guess we add in Kirkering and Kimbrell reluctantly, but I'm not even going to include those guys. Just bullpen wide. You truly feel better about this group. Last year, they were having to throw Connor Brogdon, Andrew Bellotti. They had to put Ranger out there to close games. Zach Eflin was in the bullpen. Where you felt lucky you were getting outs when everybody except Alvarado and Sir Anthony were out there. This year, you really expect it. And again, as I said at the top of the show, not blaming them for game three. You, you could throw Kimbrell in with the lineup, but Kirkering, like bullpen as a whole, the pitching staff as a whole, they were awesome. They were amazing again. So the bullpen, obviously pair that with the starters and Wheeler's pitching out of his mind. Nola's pitching out of his mind as they both did a year ago. Ranger is also following that up. Like like the dude, I um, I saved this. Uh, Johnny Heller tweeted this out and I'll include tonight's in this in a second, but Ranger Suarez, his career postseason game log, NLDS game one last year, three and a third, one earned run team one game three of the NLCS five innings, one run team won the game game five of the NLCS came in a relief two thirds of an innings. He saved it. Phil's go to the world series. Then you move to this year NLDS game one. Um, oh, excuse me. Pitched twice in the world series game one, two thirds of an inning team one. And then game three, he was out there five shutout innings against Houston. Another win 2023. NLDS game one, three and two thirds against Atlanta. No earned team won the game game four. Same thing. Five innings, one earned. And then tonight, I mean, he goes what five and a third and was masterful seven strikeouts, three hits. And that's the first loss. The Phillies have suffered in games. He pitches, but that's now 
28 innings, 28 and two-thirds innings with three earned runs. Him in the playoffs. I, I mean, that is unbelievable. He's been amazing. But this, like, the starting staff I would put up against anybody. And also, compare this group to last year. Chris Sanchez is going tomorrow. And while I don't feel amazing about it, admittedly, he had a 3-4-4 in the regular season. Compare watching Chris Sanchez start game four to who the Phillies had throw in game four in the NLDS and NLCS. The NLDS last year was Noah Syndergaard. And thanks to the Phillies hitting Charlie Morton, they got a lead. They took Syndergaard out. Again, fever dream going through with some of those outs. Like, Noah Syndergaard didn't win them the game. And it was only a matter of time before he started to lose it for them. Then go to game four of the NLCS. Bailey Falter started the game. And he got crushed, remember. He gave up four runs in the top of the first, which the Phillies quickly answered. But compare a Bailey Falter and Syndergaard to Chris Sanchez going tomorrow. Or Taiwan Walker, who I would like more than both Syndergaard and Falter. This rotation is as deep as it's ever been and well-positioned. The bullpen is better than it was last year and more trustworthy. And Thompson, I do think, is pushing the right buttons. The Kirkering thing did not work out, but when he took Ranger out, I think it was the perfect time. Hoffman got the job done. Getting Alvarado out there to put out some fires. I do still think Thompson... I'm not taking away the thought that Thompson has done a terrific job. He's running circles around Lavulo, for being honest. The go back to game one. Lavulo's going to pinch it for Longoria with a lefty. And Thompson brings out a lefty, making him burn, number one, the lefty pinch hitter, number two, Longoria. And then he brings up, I think, Moreno in that spot. But Thompson has been running circles around him all series. So that's all the pitching side. And then, I mean, hitting-wise, again, asterisks didn't happen in game three. But overall, playoff-wide, it's not just a Bryce Harper show. You and Nick Castellanos batting fourth last year being an utter liability to the team. And I, I should note that it is starting to feel like Alec Bohm is nearing that because he has come up in some big spots with the game. I mean, tonight with the game, definitely in limpo, and he's not done it. Like he is hitting, what, down to 188 in the, pl- in the postseason? Not good. Again, one for four tonight. He has probably been the biggest disappointment offensively, aside from Rojas. But aside from Bohm, and still let's just look at playoff-wide production, like Schwarber is being himself the exact same bit as last year. Nothing in the NLDS goes off in the NLCS. Trey Turner went one for four tonight, and now he's hitting only 471 with an OPS of 1,400. Harper is out of his mind, as we know. Bryson Stott, honestly, with Bohm, has, has been somewhat of a disappointment. But still, Bryson Stott this year is miles better than Bryson Stott last year. Last year, he couldn't hit a fastball. And we were kind of hoping every time he came up, it would be awesome if he somehow contributed. Now, after the year he had, we, we do expect it. Even though since the slam in Miami, it has gone downhill a bit. But then after him, I mean, JT's been, been terrific after a, a somewhat sluggish start. But the lineup, and then Castellanos has been one of their best hitters. He's hitting seventh. And Brandon Marsh, I think, is better than Brandon Marsh of last year. Or Pache in there. Like, the lineup is better. It doesn't feel as fluky. The defense is miles better with Rojas in center. Harper's played a great first base. With Stott at second base. And Turner, even though there are errors, 
at short. Alec Bowman third. I mean, he made a great play again in the first inning. Like, I I know game three happened, but I still do look at their team and their roster. I can't find a real weakness. Like, I, I just think this is, instead of it feeling like a fever dream, it's felt like an absolute clinic on how to play baseball, on how to win, and from Dave Dombrowski's angle, on how to construct a team. Where you have the stars, and it's, it's somewhat easy to put to a team together if you're going to buy all of them. Look at Harper, Schwarber, Castellanos, Wheeler. Um, but it's also about, aside from that, what you do to to supplement those, the ancillary pieces. The New York Mets spent a boatload of money. I mean, their roster still was horribly constructed, and they had a train wreck of a season. We're talking about a Phillies team that has star power that will get all the headlines and all the talk you also have to go through the ancillary pieces of, you know, Ranger Suarez has maybe been their most valuable pitcher in the playoffs. He beat Atlanta twice. He was the reason they won that series. Alec Bowman and Bryson Stott have obviously been awesome as young players developing after their rookie year. Brandon Marsh in the trade. Johan Rojas's defense in center. Like the ancillary pieces that Dabrowski's put together. Jeff Hoffman in the bullpen. Kirkering until game three. Take away all the free agent signings. And I mean, he has put on a clinic of how to make a well-rounded team that can hit you from all angles, win a bunch of ways and play dangerous in the postseason. Because any team that like Texas or Houston looks at the Phillies right now, they see two top end aces pitching like it. They see a dangerous three in Ranger. They even see depth with Sanchez and Walker. Like, there will be a pitching advantage on the Philly side for it when they get to the World Series, which I think they will still. When they get there, they'll have the pitching advantage in a, in a ton of games. And then you look up and down the lineup, okay, if your name's not Brandon Fat, like, how are you going to attack it? Aside from pitching around Harper. The one, the one drawback that's going on, and I think there should be a discussion about, is when are we going to move Alec Boehm down? Because until... Game three, you didn't want to mess with what was working. You just put up 10 runs. You're up 2-0. Castellanos is crushing it at seven. And Castellanos ha- had a rough game as well. Yet, again, Bohm is beginning to feel a little bit like that. Like Castellanos of last year, where Harper's going to get on almost every at-bat. They're going to pitch around him. It's going to be up to Bohm to come through. So I would even think about JT there, who's who's been hitting much better. I think he leads baseball in RBI in the postseason. Which, as I said, he's going to come up in a million of those spots. He's come through with some huge two-out hits. So him or Castellanos going up there, like you, you just need protection for Harper because he'll get on. So when I ask the question, how do you attack this lineup, the answer could be just pitch around Bryce Harper every single time he comes up and then pray Bohm doesn't hurt you. And tonight, Bohm did not hurt them. And he's going to need to. But then even if you get past Bohm, you're looking at kind of a second lineup within it of Stott, Romuto, and Castellanos. So it's such a well-constructed team. I I think it's been a clinic of awesome baseball. And that's why I look ahead to game four, and I am a... I like to think I'm a terrible fan because I speak to some that that are so optimistic. And honestly, I envy you. I wish I could just look at games and think, oh yeah, they'll probably win. It's going to be awesome. I look at game four, 
I, frankly, I looked at game three because I was thinking about game four with a massive knot in my stomach, expecting the worst and thinking about what's going to happen when they lose. And hopefully they don't. But that's how I approach it, and I can't help it. So I think they will win game four. My, my brain says the Phillies will win this in five, maybe six. And to be honest, I did put some money on an Aaron Nola NLCS MVP ticket. So if it does come to that and Nola throws a no-hitter game six, I'm all in. Any way they can advance them in. If I get a Nola NLCS MVP, that would be even better. But I am petrified of game four. Yet then I said, like, the, the brain says, okay, it's a win. It's all good. Don't fret. All right. It's on the clock. If the Phillies had won tonight and they were up 3-0, I would have really emphasized this. I'm still going to note it. The next time we speak, the series will be over. It'll be next week. It'll be the day. Well, this will be released the day of World Series Game 1. That's next Friday the 27th. So we'll obviously hopefully preview the World Series in that show. This is the last time I'm going to speak to you all before that happens. So had they won tonight, it'd be 3-0. I would have proclaimed the Diamondbacks super dead and then gone through this with, again, more emphasis. Less emphasis here, but I'm still going to do it. A bunch of notes from the series, and I mean, all of them were positive until tonight. Number one, it, it felt like Arizona's only real hope at winning the series and not just making it competitive was winning with Gallon and Kelly. They almost needed to because you felt that going in with, with Fat Game 3 and then the bullpen Game 4, that the Diamondbacks winning both of those games, which they do need to do, you felt that's a really tall task, and it still probably is. But winning with Gallon and Kelly was the key, and the Phillies hit them around enough. They got enough damage off them to then allow the floodgates to open off the bullpen. So, And, and again, the Diamondbacks' bullpen is nothing to write home about. The Phils have had success against it, and teams have had success against it all season. So Gallon and Kelly will go again game five for Gallon, six for Kelly. Getting back to them, I mean, that's they're matched up with Wheeler and Nola. And the hard part for them is they're not going to pitch, or it's, it's hard to see them pitching better than the Phillies' two aces right now. So then it becomes a late inning game, or you just try to scratch and claw runs. And... I mean, game one should be what the Phils try to mirror tomorrow. Just somehow getting a lead, being able to play with it, as opposed to whatever the hell tightness was showing up um, in game three. I, I mentioned this earlier also. I think Thompson has run circles around Tori Lavulo. The Longoria pinch hitting thing in game one. Lavulo brought in Joe Mantiply in game two. And this was when it was a 3 nothing lead, I believe. Maybe four in the sixth inning. With two outs, he comes in to face Bryson Stott. And Stott and, and Mantiply, a lefty, their best lefty, had only given up an average of, I think, 180 to lefties this season. Stott works a great at bat, singles up the middle, and then JT comes up next batter, which is a righty, ropes a double, and then the game gets blown open. So it, it might have been 2 nothing at that point. I forget the exact context, but bring in Mantiply there, he got burned. Because then you have a bunch of righties after Stott. If you don't get that out, you're screwed. Um, and meanwhile, Thompson, I think, has done a phenomenal job at pushing all the buttons needed to get through games. I, I think he did a good job in game three. It just came down to Craig Kimbrell not not throwing up on himself out there. And it's like, like the umpire screwed him. We know that. 
But come on, like you can't just be walking guys, giving them a free second base and expecting to continue to get out of innings. It's not going to happen. It was a bad performance. Craig Kimbrell's performance, I said this at the Open, but like we could have seen that coming for months. That's exactly what it's looked like. He's just been scraping by. And now when it matters, here we are. I don't trust him in the ninth inning. There has to be a better alternative. All right, what else? Let's stay positive. Trying to stay positive. Aaron Nola this postseason. Who, who couldn't have seen this coming? For everybody out there, who had trouble seeing this coming in the postseason? I did actually tweet. Let, let's go back a little extended, and then we'll get to his postseason numbers. Aaron Nola, since the St. Louis radio show tried to convince him to become a Cardinal. that The date of that, as I click on the link, was September 15th, my birthday. He pitched that night in St. Louis, and... Wasn't great, but he has made six starts since he went on this freaking radio show and they tried to convince him to become a Cardinal. He's 3-0, 36 innings, seven total earned runs, 29 hits, three walks, 36 strikeouts, a 1.75 ERA. He has been an ace for the last month. And then going into the playoffs, I mean, he's been even better. Him in the postseason, and I've been to the three games he's pitched, 18 and two-thirds innings. 12 hits, two runs, two walks, an ERA of .96, and 18 strikeouts. Like We are talking about a better stretch than Hamels had in 2008. Like one of the best postseason stretches the Phillies have seen from a starter. After everything that went on, and if you're going to struggle in the regular season, that's fine, as long as you come through in the playoffs. Aaron Ola needs to be re-signed. Badly. He gives you all the innings, and if he doesn't pitch well in May and June, I don't care truthfully, as long as he's out there every seven, giving me six, seven innings every start. Because look at him in October. Like, that's a big game pitcher. So the duo of him and Wheeler now combined, Nola, Phils have won all three games. Wheeler and Nola, their records, obviously the Phils lost a Wheeler start, but their records are 5-0, and 37 and two-thirds innings, 23 hits, seven runs, three walks, 45 strikeouts, 1.67 ERA and a whip of 6.69. I mean, two of the most dominant starting pitchers. I've already talked about Wheeler in the playoffs, but the combo of that, it's been the best that's left in the playoffs, maybe since the playoffs began. It is the best top-end duo performances we've seen maybe in Philly's history. And I, it'll be a real shame if the offense wastes what's going on there. Because they have been utterly phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And then, I already talked about Ranger. Their top three guys have just not given up runs. And I believe team-wide, they are... They set some sort of record through eight games. I think they gave up 13 total runs through eight games. Now it's 15 runs through nine games, which is nothing. And they, they're breaking MOB records, pitching the baseball. Not even what the offense is doing at the plate. Which has also been, until tonight... Really freaking impressive. Trey Turner, as I mentioned, like he's he's hitting almost 500, and he's being overshadowed by Bryce, who's going deep in big spots, by Schwarber, who's heating up in the NLCS, and JT Romuto, one of the X-Factors I talked about in the Miami series and in the playoffs, he is the MLB postseason leader again with 10 RBI, with some big two-out doubles. So maybe I'd move him to four. Maybe I'd move Castellanos to four. I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to think about moving Bohm. Just as a 
Like, I, I just can't have him up in this many big runners-on-base situations, and he's done very little with it. When he has come through, the game has been in doubt. Like, the game's been over, I mean. He's come through in those spots. But I needed him tonight in the ninth. Like, I needed him in game four of the NLDS against Strider, maybe twice before Castellanos and Turner got to him. So there, there are the positives. Um, where the series turns. I did this for the NLDS with the Braves. I, I like doing this with baseball games. I thought in game one, the series turned, I mean, really right from the start. The first inning homers off Kelly with Shoreburn Harper. Arizona looked scared, genuinely, to play in Philadelphia, which as a, as a team, as a fan base, that's all you can hope for. If we have any impact on the game, that's more than as expected. And from the moment that game started and Schwarber hits the first pitch out, we were on top of them. And they bat- the Diamondbacks battled back. But then you go to game two and they get the doors blown off. Like They look scared to play in Philadelphia. Seriously. So that's where game one, it felt like the series was over at that point. A- after they eked out that game, they come back with game two. I talked about this at bat earlier. I, I thought that game turned. Phils were up 2 nothing. But the Stott single off Mantiply, who had been great against lefties, we got the JT two-run double, a Marsh RBI double, three more runs, the game's totally over. Thompson can, like, Nola doesn't go out at that point for the seventh. Thompson can get Hoffman some work, which I think helped him uh, get the job done in game three. So that's, and that, again, felt like the series was over. I, I thought, I walked out of the park that night. I was like, oh, World Series trip, Diamondbacks stink, this is over. And... Uh, here we are. Game three, I mean, it, it turns with the Phillies getting three total hits off Brandon Fat. Like, listen to these names. Brandon Fat, Sal Frank. I should look at his Andrew Sal Frank. Ryan Thompson, Andrew Ginkle, and Paul Seawalt. Fat, Sal Frank, Ginkle, and Seawalt pitched eight of nine innings and held you to two hits and zero runs. Or one run. South Frank gave up a run. Awesome. Like, that is that is awesome. That is why I love baseball. Names like that. Shutting down my team. A middling rookie with a 5-7 came in and looked like Pedro Martinez tonight. So, great. It's a 2-1 lead. All right. It's it's on the clock. Let's, let's move on. Let's talk about game four. Let's talk about game five. Both of which will happen. We don't know about six and seven yet. I'll get to all that when we come back. It's on the clock. All right. Welcome back. Ben Kenny. Phillies 24-7 Sports Radio WIP. It is on the clock. Game four of the NLDS is tomorrow. Looking up now, it is a 3-3 Houston and Texas. Texas leading 2-1. And the Phillies obviously would play the winner. They would have home field against Houston. I should have saved this part, but whatever. Uh, they'd have home field against Houston. And they would not have home field against Texas. I want to play Houston. I don't think the Astros are as good as the Rangers. And although they've been there before, they don't scare me as much as they did last year. And I want revenge. Texas has the front end starters and the mojo. And the I hate that ballpark. I hate the camera angle at the ballpark. I hate the mojo there. I don't want to play Texas. Their ballpark feels like Arizona. Arizona's ballpark stinks. I don't want to have that conversation. It'll take way too long. But their park stinks. Let that be known as a thought. So 
Um, I, I'll be rooting for Houston, but I'll be rooting for a long series more than anything. The Phils turn around. They're up 2-1. Chris Sanchez goes tomorrow, 3-4-4 on the season. He will go against a bullpen game for the Diamondbacks, which it's unpredictable. So I can look through and say, okay, maybe Ryan Nelson starts the game. Philly's already hit him. He's not that good. I could try to guess who comes in next. All of the numbers, which, I mean, we've already gone through, are, are not very good. It's not a great bullpen. But there is an unpredictability that does scare me, where what if they just go matchups every time, Phils can't pick the guys up, and, yeah, they're going to have to get really deep in the pen, and it's going to kill their pen for Game 5 when they need a heroic start from Zach Gallen. But there's a level of unpredictability that does frighten me a little bit. But the Phils do have the pitching advantage, believe it or not, The concern with Sanchez, obviously, is that he hasn't pitched in two weeks. His last game was September 30th. A loss, that's more than two. Oh, oh my God, that's that's a month? He hasn't pitched in a game. He pitched one inning against the Mets. His last start was September 24th. That is almost an entire month ago. That is pretty much four weeks ago. I know he's been throwing on the side. He was unbelievable that day against the Mets. Seven innings, two runs, 10 Ks. His form towards the end of the year was the best it had been all season. I mean, you're talking about seven and a third against Atlanta with four runs and 10 strikeouts, five shutout against Miami. His ERA ended up dropping. Well, I mean, he was good all season, but once he got length, like he's missing more bats, he was awesome down the stretch. The concern is he hasn't pitched in a month. So I don't know what to expect. I think Thompson's going to have a quick hook on him. I think a guy like Taiwan Walker might be available in the bullpen. I don't want to see Lorenzen out there, but he could be. And then you go to the big, like you go to Sir Anthony. You go to Hoffman again. You go to Soto. You go to Strom. Hopefully Kimbrell's not available. Hopefully the number of pitches he threw tonight make him not available. But you try to piece it together. I trust Sanchez more than I trust the Diamondbacks bullpen. But Sanchez is going to need to give you five innings. Two runs, one, two runs. I mean, with him out there, it's easy to say it's on Chris Sanchez to pitch well. But I always go back to this with this team and how it is made. It's an offensive team, and it is on the offense in a favorable matchup against an average bullpen to get the job done. So, yeah, like Sanchez can't implode on himself. But we cannot see a repeat of tonight again tomorrow night that can't happen so I I, I don't know I, I like it has to be the offense that that comes through then you're going to go ahead to game five and it's Wheeler against Gallon rematch of game one it's in Arizona that's the game I feel the most confident in the Phillies winning out of four and five so even if it does go to two two I mean I'll be crushed and talk myself into a loss but aside from what the heart says the mind will say yeah, Gallon's good. The Phils have hit him well. And then here we go with Zach Wheeler again. I would have confidence in them coming through in that spot. Then you come home, game six if it's necessary, Aaron Nola versus Merrill Kelly. And given the form we've seen from Nola and just Merrill Kelly's luck, he gets Citizens Bank Park again, even though he pitched well after all those comments. He pitched well. Like he was pretty good. He gave up a couple homers. Fine. I trust Aaron Nola more to come through there. So series long, and the longer the series, the better team is going to look better and have a better chance of winning. So, like for the rest of the series, I feel great. 
If the Phils win game four, it is over. If they lose game four, it is definitely not over. They need to get back home 3-2, if, if it even does come back home. I don't want it to come back home. I would love the job to get done on Saturday in game five. But knowing this team, I mean, here we are. Um, there also would be part of me that's happy after Garrett Stubbs went out and started talking about celebrating in the pool. Maybe that not happening would be better. I don't need my backup catcher talking and talking about when he's going to celebrate when the series isn't over. Because now it's 2-1. to one. And I, the Diamondbacks fans, I don't know what clue they have, but the players, no doubt, are into it. And the players, no doubt, saw that. And then, what's the first thought? Oh yeah, we can't let that happen. We're, we're not going to let them celebrate in our pool. Which is a hilarious, I mean, like it's baseball. It's a hilarious thought. Oh yeah, you see what the backup catcher on the other team said? We're not going to let them celebrate in our pool. It's a very Arizona thing. But it's a that's a weird baseball sentence. So, all right, it's it's on the clock. I still feel terrible about tomorrow. My mind still thinks the Phillies are going to win. You could see the pretzel I talk myself into for every big game that the Phillies ever play. I'm pissed off about tonight. When I wake up tomorrow, I might feel better. I'm not happy about what went down tonight. We're going to close out the show when we come back. We'll talk about the Astros and the Rangers. We will talk about the week that is to come. It's on the clock. All right, Ben Kenny here with you. I am at Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter. If you listen this far, again, I thank you. Follow us on the Odyssey app, Phillies 24-7. If you want to, well, I don't think you're going to want to hear a rerun of Game 3, but if you want to hear the other great shows we have, you know where the podcast feed is. We thank you, as always, for listening. On right now, uh, again, is Houston and Texas. Texas leads 2-1. to one. I I discussed earlier why I like Houston more for the as an opponent for the Phillies if they get there. I am not looking ahead. My ideal scenario is Aaron Nola throws a perfect game in game six, locks up NLCS MVP, and then we move on to face the Astros. That'd be great. And if I get to talk about that next week, I, I would be a little bit richer and I would be very, very happy. But I want Houston more, but I, truthfully, I'm rooting for the longest series possible here. I believe it could stretch until Tuesday or Wednesday, but anything that allows the pitching combo of Yavaldi and Montgomery, if it is Texas, to be moved back a bit, anything that gets the bullpen more tired, I think is positive. And the momentum thing, if the Phillies had swept the Diamondbacks, maybe I would have been a little scared about sitting for a week and then coming back and playing even on the road, if it's at Texas to start. But now that that series clearly is not going to be a sweep, it still might be a couple days of rest. I don't love the rest part of it, but undoubtedly it helps your pitching staff. You can line it up perfectly. I want this Houston-Texas series to go as long as possible. A lot of gut-wrenching games either way, using a lot of pitchers in high leverage spots. But the Astros on that side, I mean, it's a one-man lineup right now with Jordan Alvarez. And the hitting top to bottom, not as good as last year. The rotation, Framber Valdez is going through a really similar thing that Aaron Nola did last year in that the pitch clock is weird. He was the guy that was rubbing the ball too much and pissed me off watching him. And then he pitched great. The pitch clock takes that away. And he's gone through an Aaron Nola thing, not as effective as he was last year. So top to bottom, not, just not as dangerous of a team. 
Texas with what Uvalde and Montgomery are, I mean, if Scherzer's cooked, then Scherzer's cooked. But what, Dane Dunning goes game four? He's given up three to Houston. I don't love him. When you have a top two of those two guys, though, I don't know. I, I can talk myself into many things, clearly. But the take firmly, we want Houston. But we want the Phillies to beat the Diamondbacks. I don't even want to get into how I would handle a, a loss in the series. So luckily, I'm not going to be on after every game. I'm just on now after the most debilitating, back-breaking, pathetic loss ever. Hopefully tomorrow night they beat the crap out of them. We get to erase that. They take care of business. Wheeler goes game five. I'll do a, uh, I'll do a Kevin Millar coming out right now. We got, we got Sanchez game four. Wheels goes game five. We got Knowles game six. And nothing is going to happen in game seven because there won't be any. Millar said that in the opposite way in that, you know, Pedro, what was it? Pedro game five, Shill game six, and anything happens in game seven. You could go in game seven when the Red Sox were coming back. Whatever. All right. Uh, I appreciate everyone always listening. The Phil's better win tomorrow. I don't know how I'd handle the loss, but I'll talk to you next Friday. I pray we are previewing a World Series appearance. Good luck watching the baseball. I know I'll need it. We'll talk to you next week. See ya.